This Week in Startups is brought to you by Dell for Entrepreneurs. Introducing the Precision 5750, the world's smallest and lightest 17-inch mobile workstation with AI-based optimization. Members of Dell for Entrepreneurs get an exclusive 10% off when you visit launch.co slash Dell or email startups at dell.com and mention This Week in Startups. Clavio is the e-commerce marketing platform that helps brands build relationships with memorable email and SMS messages. Over 40,000 brands choose Clavio to help them grow. Learn more and get started with a free trial at clavio.com slash twist. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash twist. And LinkedIn Jobs. A business is only as strong as its people, and every hire matters. Get $50 off your first job post at linkedin.com slash twist. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Startups. That's right. Your favorite podcast where you get to hear directly from founders and investors who are building the future through the lens of entrepreneurship and building companies. And the pandemic has led to a lot of interest, excitement, and hand-wringing over education and school uh, and people having to suddenly educate their children over Zoom, which doesn't work. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think it works. And when I said, listen, I think the pandemic's going to go on for a year or two. I am going to take my children's education into my own hands, and I'm going to hire a teacher. And I just tweeted because I thought, hey, you know, 2020, 21, I don't buy that people are going back to school. I know some people have started. I know some people are doing testing. I think it's only a matter of time before a teacher, uh, tragically, just law of big numbers, not only contracts coronavirus while the school year is going on, whether they contract that school or not, but some number of teachers statistically will die from COVID because it's impacting a certain number of Americans. Maybe it'll wind up being, uh, you know, a tenth of all, a tenth of 1%, 10 basis points of all Americans will die from COVID. Perhaps that's the eventual number, 300, 400, 500,000 Americans. Uh, there has to be a teacher in that group, statistically, and then all teachers are going, and all teachers unions will say, school's off. That's what I believe will happen. I hope I'm wrong. But anyway, I tweeted somewhat, you know, simply, I'm looking for the best fifth grade teacher I can find. If you help me find that teacher, I'll give you a $2,000 Uber Eats card. You know, that kind of stuff does work when you do that. Um, and I wound up on TMZ, oh, wow. Daily Mail, and uh, San Francisco Chronicle as a rich guy who was stealing a teacher from the public school system, even though we were committed to hiring a teacher who was not currently employed, um, which was in the tweet storm, but people don't want to read that. But one thing that happened that was interesting is, about 100 people said, do you know Chris Bennett from wonderschool.com? Oh, wow. Because he is doing that exact thing. And I said, yeah, I, I've heard of wonderschool.com. Let's get Chris Bennett on the podcast. So here he is, Chris Bennett, the CEO and co-founder of wonderschool.com. Welcome to the pod. Thank you, Jason. Super excited to be here. So uh, starting out, what is wonderschool.com? And then what do you think is the outcome of the 2020-21 school year in terms of kids going back to school or people forming pods? So in its simplest form, 
uh, Wonder School is a network of childcare programs. Um, when we started out, we uh, started primarily in-home. So we worked with folks who um, were operating in-home programs. And the idea came to me because I went to an in-home program as a kid for after-school care. And, mm. my, and my sister went to an in-home program for, for preschool. And yeah. uh, I've lived in the Bay Area for going on 11 years now. And I keep hearing from friends, wealthy, not wealthy, everyone has issues finding childcare. And mm. I thought, That's how strange. This doesn't make any sense. Where I'm from, childcare really isn't an issue uh, in Miami. I'm from the suburbs of Miami. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, why aren't there more of these in-home programs? And so I started touring some of the programs and visiting some of them in the Bay Area. And a lot of them, from a quality standpoint, just weren't really great. Mm. And I kept meeting all these incredible educators who didn't really have the business acumen to be able to manage uh, a childcare business. And so we're like, hey, why don't we take some of the ideas that are floating around Silicon Valley at the time, Airbnb ideas, Uber ideas, sharing economy ideas, and apply it to childcare. And, we, it. Um, and we came up with this idea for Wonder School. And, um, and you know, fast forward, we have programs all over the country um, where we, we know we've raised venture funding and this pandemic hits. And uh, where, you know, people are like, well, you know, are you only operating for children between the ages of zero and five? And um, which is where we've always like sort of played. That's been zero and five, which would be nursery school. It's, and uh, it's uh, daycare and preschool. So daycare before, and preschool, got it. So before like the K to 12 system that we're all right. familiar with, kindergarten, that like, we all and, go and through. And this is a super important time because if you get exposed to learning and a passion for learning, whether it's Montessori or Reggio during this period of time, that can set you up on all the statistics show for greater success in life, especially when you get to kindergarten, the people who've been to pre-K or done two or three years before that, they do better, correct? They are 100%. And, yeah. uh, like massively better. Like I'm, I'm one of 31 first cousins. Um, my family, all of my parents, my parents are immigrants from Honduras. Um, I grew up in this really large Honduran community in uh, Miami. I went to one of the best preschools in Miami. Wait, so how many siblings do your, did your mom or dad have? My, my mom has uh, three. My dad has six. Okay. Uh, and uh and then and those are first cousins if we go yes. if, if we go like second and third cousins it's wow. like a it's like a high school I mean, well, I, we we had <laughs> six i had six growing up so okay. my mom had two sisters and three brothers so it's six mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i think on average they all had a couple of kids each or five of them had a couple of kids each so mm -hmm. i think we wound up in the 18 or 19 but yeah, yeah. you guys really went for it 31. yeah totally totally yeah. it's uh it's just very common in our Wait, culture so nine siblings across your p two parents yeah. So that yeah, it just means on average three kids. Yeah, exactly. Each, exactly. which was normal at that time. Totally. Uh, now it's not the case. <laughs> now totally. it's one or well, two. Well, a lot of uh, well, it, it also depends on where where you where you um, have your children. In Honduras, uh, it's very common to have right. more children than it is in the United States. So all of my aunts who you know started having children, aunts and uncles that started having children in the U.S., mm. they're on the one to two range. But yeah. my aunts and uncles in Honduras. Yeah, you they're know, still, six and seven. Still getting it done. Six <laughs> yes. and seven. Wow. Can you imagine? It's fun. Uh, it's super now, do you fun. Have, do you have kids? No, I don't. No kids don't. yet. Okay. So yeah. what is the difference? And let's just get some definitions out of the way here. And then we'll get to that second question of what's happening uh, this year in the pandemic. What is the difference between homeschooling 
and a micro school, because I said I'm starting a micro school. I had my own idea. And a, there's homeschooling. There are, I guess, nursery schools. Micro, I think we all know what nursery schools are, but what's the difference between a micro school pod, nursery school, and you know, private school and homeschooling? Okay, so um, so we set the table for, here for each for name. I'll tell you um, the 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 definition we use at Wonder School. Perfect. So um, okay, micro school is K and up, so kindergarten and up. Got Typically, it. the age is five and six and up, and it's a it can be a replacement for your traditional uh uh you know school system. Like uh, the, and, and traditional uh, private or public school twenty exactly to 30 people what, in the, the one we all what we all went to everyone went. How to. is that different than homeschooling? So um so and, and so the other thing about a micro center a, a micro school is you can think of a micro school as a homeschool resource center. That's actually the okay. best way um you know someone explained it to me. So it can be a place where multiple homeschool children come together Got and it. they get access to you know a facilitator a guide. A teacher, um, typically. So it's the combination of what would normally be a three or four homeschools. Got it exactly. And homeschool a homeschool child is someone who is not going through the traditional K to twelve system and is learning from home. And they can be doing that by themselves, or Mm. they can do that within a micro school uh, Mm. uh, uh, environment. Got it. Is that is that helpful, Jason? I think so. I think that totally makes sense. And then. Homeschooling was a considered kind of a fringe, weird thing. Yeah, now the whole nursery world school is was doing kind of it. standard, but now micro school, you know, the whole world is, has to homeschool. Exactly. But micro schools are a somewhat new phenomenon. When we get That's back right. from this break, I want to get an idea uh, to that first question, the second question I had, which we didn't get to, but we'll get to after the break, which is what is the footprint now of micro schools during this pandemic? How many people are getting together in pods? And then do you anticipate the pandemic? the post-pandemic world uh, resulting in micro schools and pods becoming a sustainable trend here in the United States when we get back on the swing of startups. Hey, everybody, you know, Dell has been sponsoring This Week in Startups, and they've been a tremendous supporter of me for many years. And I have been a tremendous supporter of Dell's. And we're very lucky today have, to have Mobilaji. So come be uh, on the program. And he runs Dell for Entrepreneurs. Let's talk a little bit about um, cloud computing and Dell's offering there. I know that with this IT support, you provide the IT support for free. Uh, that That's correct, right? To these young startups. And then you will look at their cloud computing bills and maybe give them some advice there. Yes, absolutely. Entrepreneurs and small business owners, I've had, often had conversations with Dell to say, you know, what, what else do you have to offer beyond laptops and desktops? And at Dell Technologies, we have so much more to offer, right? I just talked about like our startup IT advisor program. The other piece that we have to offer a ton of is like on the enterprise side with a cloud side. At Dell, we don't believe that, you know, we need to push you towards like maybe going like on a private or, or, or public cloud, right? We believe more in like in a hybrid cloud model whereby, you know, you can like, you know, have stuff on-prem and also like have stuff in the cloud. And so with our startup advisors, right, with our technical experts, they can have those conversations, right? And we're currently having those conversations right now with entrepreneurs that are actually scaling, right? Whereby they're bringing more people on board, right? It's not feasible to have like those like, you know, physical service out there anymore. They want to be able to like, you know, get things done quicker. They're looking at their total cost of operation, the TCO. So the cloud piece is essential. And so Dell is playing like, you know, major role in a very like, you know, silent fashion in this space. And so we're having those conversations right now. And even more recently, we've been having some of these conversations within, uh, sorry, within your community, uh, right? Just with some of the entrepreneurs within Twist. So here is your call to 
action, introducing the Precision 5750, the world's smallest and lightest 17-inch mobile workstation with AI-based optimization that I use, Jason Calacanis, with a four-sided Infinity Edge display and up to NVIDIA Quadro RTX 3000 graphics. It's AI and VR ready out of the box. Members of this podcast get an exclusive 10% off when you visit launch.co slash Dell or email startups at Dell.com and mention this week in startups. Dell loves this podcast. Dell loves startups. Dell loves supporting founders. Visit launch.co slash Dell and you'll get that 10% off the beautiful Precision 5750 right now. Welcome back to this week in startups and everybody. We are talking, anybody and everybody, that's correct. We are talking about micro schools, homeschooling and education with Chris Bennett, who does wonderschool.com, which started as a marketplace where you can do a search right now. You can go to wonderschool right now and search and find a nursery school for kids age two to five to join. And they right. do the back end and the infrastructure for an educator who maybe doesn't have the business acumen but does have the ability to educate and uh, take care of children. And you provide all that infrastructure for them, right? That's right. That's right. Got it. Now, when we talk about micro schools and these pods, do you have any idea how many micro schools are out there right now? And what do you think the longevity of them is? Yeah, so uh, it's really hard to, to, to get any data around micro schools and pods. Uh, the number I was operating with pre-COVID was in the tens of thousands um, okay. across the United States. Um, and the way we think of a micro school, the difference between a micro school and a pod, is I think of a pod as, I call it parent-led, where parents mm -hmm. come together and they recruit a teacher. And then a micro school tends to be teacher-led, where a teacher decides to start their own organization and ah. they go and recruit the parents. And the rise of pods is uh you know it's been it's not even exponential it's astronomical like astronomical yeah. like they, there's got to be millions of pods yeah yeah because there's 70 really... million there's i think we typically have the 320 million americans like 75 million mm -hmm. are under the age of 18 mm -hmm. so we have a pool of something in the range of 70 million people for pods mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and everybody's educating from home so if 10 percent or five percent were in pods that would be three million pods if you had four people per pod that would be something in the neighborhood of a million pods. Pods, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they, they, they've popped up overnight. Mm. And, it, and it really happened when you sent out your tweet, essentially, when all of the parents realized that, hey, this COVID thing's going to stick around for a while. Mm. Um, we need to come up with a plan to make sure our children are getting access to education because time is of the essence for them. And uh, it's been pretty phenomenal to see the rise of them. When you saw my tweet, I'm assuming you saw it and you saw the reaction to it or some of the negative class kind of reaction to it. What did I get wrong in my tweet, if anything? Uh, and why are people so triggered by the concept of a micro school? Because it does seem people are freaked out. Uh, and education is a charged subject. Let's, let's be honest here. But, I mean, we, and previously it was with private versus public school uh, or vouchers or charter schools. All of this was very triggering or very, people were very emotional about it. But this micro school thing seemed to hit a note that was very raw for people. What, what do you perceive that to be about? And I'm still learning a lot about this myself on a daily okay. basis. But I think at, at the core, there, it's, it's fear-induced. There's, there's, there's mm. fear that um, wealthy individuals, okay. white individuals, okay. 
Check, are, check. Are going to, you know, <laughs> monop- mon- monopolize the best teachers in right. America and and um, set our education system back. I Got think it. that uh, that's that's my understanding. Um, Interesting. Talking to, to parents, talking to individuals. Yeah, that seems to be what I'm seeing. Interesting. Uh, you know, as I anticipated that, just mm-hmm. in terms of hiring, my goal yeah. was not to yeah. steal a public school teacher and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But I, I did want to get the best teacher I could find. Of course. And I said, I'll just hire. There's so many teachers available. So there, this premise that your rich people are going to steal the best teachers uh, would be valid if there was a finite number of teachers mm-hmm. available. But the truth is, there are, correct me if I'm wrong, tons of teachers looking for work, tons of retired mm-hmm. teachers who might want to come out of retirement, mm-hmm. and tons of people who could be teachers who aren't traditionally Fact. teachers, correct? Yep. That's the premise of Wonder School, substitute yeah. teachers as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, we believe, and the way we thought about it with early childhood education, there's all of these uh, individuals who may not have the credentials, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, the average preschool teacher makes $30,000 a year, $40,000 a year. Some, some, in, some organizations, some, some governments want these teachers to have master's degrees. It doesn't make any, it doesn't <laughs> make a any $30,000 a year job. You need a master's degree. It doesn't make any sense to go and get a master's degree to be a priest. Well, I mean, a master's degree would put you 50, hundred in the hole. Yeah, exactly. And so there's all these individuals who love early childhood education who recognized that if they went through the traditional system, it wouldn't serve them. And huh. that was the premise of Wonder School. Hey, there's all of these individuals who would be great teachers, who can earn a, a substantial, substantially more than your average preschool teacher, um, with parents paying the market rate in the communities mm-hmm. they live in. Um, and that sort of was the premise behind the idea. And w- let's walk through the economics here, because this is a thing that I found absolutely um, inspiring about the mm-hmm. idea of micro schools, which mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. I obviously did a quick survey of salaries, and mm-hmm. it turns out elementary school teachers, as you well know, get paid forty to sixty k a year in the United States. Am I correct mm-hmm. in that number? Yeah, depending on the city. Right. Yep, exactly right. Um, and there might be outliers of incredible teachers. In public school systems with five or 10 years of experience, that might be in the 70 or 80K. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, And private schools Mm -hmm. pay less than Mm -hmm. public schools. (laughs) Yeah. That's correct as well. That's that's in line with what I've learned as well, yes. Yeah, so this was all fascinating to me. And then I found out that public schools spend... Ten to twenty-five thousand dollars a year, based on the region. Obviously, different regions have different costs of living and different pay scales. But call it fifteen, twenty k a year is what public schools spend to educate a kid, mm-hmm. and they're spending fifty or sixty on the salary. So basically, four kids in the class yep. are yep. paying for the teacher. Yeah, the other sixteen to twenty-six kids are paying for something else. What are those? Where is that other money going? Well, in childcare. It's typically real estate and administration. Okay, and so and so the again the benefit of pods, the benefit of micro schools, the mm. benefit of um, in home childcare is the real estate piece is covered, right? It's Got someone's it. home, and the administrator is the teacher, and so right. you can you you essentially are giving the um, administrative overhead 
directly to the teacher. Right. And the teacher is capable of administering and looking up online in today's world curriculum. So this idea that you needed to have all these layers and layers of management and administration in a school is outdated, isn't it? Well, I mean, this is going to be really triggering. I'm going to get the school unions are going to come down. I mean, like well, a bunch of bricks here, but they're definitely overstaffed when it comes to administration, I would think. That's where I, that's where I sort of, you know, raise my hands and say, hey, I've been in childcare for, you know, my career, uh, the past four years focusing on this. The K to 12 system seems very complex. The more mm. and more I learn about it. So I definitely don't want to get into, mm you know, making any statements or ha I, I'm still learning about it. But what it. I, I do believe, I do believe, because we're seeing this on our platform, that micro schools um, can be very, very beneficial for the provider, yep. for the community, uh, for the children that are enrolled in the program. And it's not something we should sort of turn a blind eye to. That right. I think that this is an opportunity for us to invest in not only with our own private dollars, but with our public dollars as well. And so oh, I think that's this interesting. Is, yeah. So I think this is something that this is something that I, you know, a belief that I have is this is something our school district should be thinking about. You know, how do we learn more about these micro schools to figure out ways to make this an alternative or an option for uh, for for parents? The back channel I got after my tweet was that the school unions. I'm sorry, teachers unions mm -hmm. were very upset at what I had said, that they had coordinated perhaps some of the mm -hmm. response to my tweet, since I am an influencer on Twitter with you know, a couple hundred thousand uh, followers. So people would say, hmm, maybe he's going to mm -hmm. inspire people to do the same. But what you're saying is you believe that this is something that maybe even the public school system and government should embrace. I'm curious when we get back from this quick break, what role the teachers unions have in all of this and are they opposed to or in favor of this potential change when we get back on this week in startups ah yes clavio if growing an e-commerce business is your focus you need a platform focused on growth and that platform is clavio clavio is the ultimate e-commerce platform for online brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're just getting started or you're running a well-known brand, it will give you everything you need to send memorable branded emails, text messages, and so much more so you can build those strong relationships that keep customers coming back. Uh, what they do at Clavio, just to say it in plain English is, they understand targeting. So if you had people on your website and they were looking at certain uh, types of clothes or shoes and they liked a certain color or they were looking for a certain size uh, or style or they were male or female, well, you could send them targeted emails that get better response rate. Instead of sending a generic email with every product, why not send that product that's like a silver bullet that will get that specific customer engaged with your brand. Well, that's why Clavio is trusted by 40,000 brands like Huckberry, 8sleep, and Living Proof. And trust me, I get the emails from these companies and I'm an investor in 8sleep and I see the difference between targeted, customized, personalized marketing and generic marketing. And you know that too. You don't want, nobody wants generic marketing. You want stuff that's really personalized. So if you want to learn more of how you can grow your brand with Clavio, go to clavio.com slash twist and they will give you a free trial because you came from this week in startups. 
Again, K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash twist. That's Clavio. K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash twist. Thank you, Clavio, for supporting independent media like This Week in Startups. Let's get back to this amazing episode. Chris Bennett is with us. Follow him on Twitter, B-E-N-N-E-T. Is that right? Or are you eight? Eight. Eight. Oh, I just saw yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's not Bennett. He's Bennett if you replace the B with an eight, like in hacker speak. That's great. So eight E-N-N-E-T. Fantastic. Um, have you run into the teachers unions? And when you say you think public dollars should go towards this, is that not blasphemy in the teachers unions and public school system? Well, I haven't run into the teachers' unions. I've, I've, I've primarily spent my time trying to um, build relationships and understand um, how superintendents and school boards think. Mm. And what I've primarily found was that there, this is like a novel idea to them. This is, it's just so, it just came out of you know left field. There, it's when I bring it up, I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that this is something they've researched and that they've thought about. But that's it. It isn't really that's crazy. Yeah, that's. I think. I think that's a really important thing to note. It's not on their radar. Wow. Um, and then, so they're completely not even thinking about new models of education or potentials. They're so stuck in the the concept that has been at work. The factory farming, as I think cynical people look at the public school system, the factory farming system. I'm not saying I think that, but there are many critics who call it factory farming for education. 30 kids looking at the sage on the stage, um, that model, they're not even thinking about alternatives to it. Well, it's so interesting. Weird. It, the interesting thing is they're not thinking about it from an in-home perspective. Ah. But what you're seeing um, school districts do, which is innovative, but sort of defeats the purpose, they're creating micro schools in commercial spaces almost so like um ah. the, the, the boys and girls club or they're they're partnering with like an after school care um a company mm. to do it and mm. but that that still goes against the the idea of why we don't want children in the in schools in the first place right because of the the ease of which covid could spread in these environments yeah um so but but the the idea of doing it in home is a really new idea mm. but what I found is something that they're really excited about. Um, mm. and, and the more they learn about it, um, the more there's interest. Do you believe that Americans who pay taxes yeah. should be able to get a voucher uh, for their contribution or whatever their pro rata is of it or some amount, and instead of the public school system deploying 15K per student, they could get that I don't know, 10K of it or something or 15K of it. Maybe it would be a percentage or it could be the whole thing, but let's just call it 7,500, half of what the public school systems, they could get half of that back and deploy it um, in a micro school that they were starting. Jason, Do you believe that's how the system should work? I, I, I definitely think it's something we should explore. Mm. And based on, but um, from what I understand that there's, there can be pretty big downsides to that, again, sort of. What would the downside be? Um, America's public schools are 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 segregated. Um, it's mm. a it's a seg and and there's a lot of uh, there's data that suggests that uh, integration, uh, um, both from a racial standpoint, from a socioeconomic standpoint, benefits everybody. It, be yeah. it benefits our entire. It benefits, benefits all of society. society. Right. Yes, and, and but not only does it benefit society, it benefits um, 
the children, the individual children right. in, the, in the classroom as well. They become and, more tolerant. They get to meet people who are not like them. Whereas yeah. if it was homes, if you were homeschooled or mic- if you were micro schooled, you would have been with your some number of your 31 cousins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, you guys and, would have had three micro schools going. And, 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 you know, my cousins didn't end up where I end, ended up. And, and right. I, and I do attribute a lot of my success to integration, to, um, the ability to, uh, to, to interact with, um, people mm-hmm. from different races and different backgrounds. And, you know, these are people I'm still friends with today who, you know, often tell me that they benefited mm-hmm. from it as well. And so I think that there, there's there there's there's things that I don't know about that you know we need to investigate, right? But I don't. But you know I'm a, I'm a startup founder. Like right. test and iterate, right? And then yeah, God forbid you say that in <laughs> anything that has to do with public policy or and education so, or so, how dare you want to run a test? Well, you know to what's make actually, school better. <laughs> what's also interesting about the government? You know we're starting to build relationships with different yeah. governments. Governments are very open to piloting things to learn where to mm. invest. Right. Um, you know, I understand the government gets a lot of a, a bad rap. Uh, but we they all, are we willing a, to pilot. That's interesting. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And so, and so, I think that we need to be piloting what micro schools look like in our in our school districts. Absolutely. Why not and, run? Why not run an experiment where you say, "Hey, uh, of our we, in our school district, we're going to allow up to ten percent of parents." to run micro schools for the next two for the next 10 years and we're going to assess how those students do versus the internal ones if you'd like to apply for this program go here and we'll give and you your 15k to go do it and let's and check then you can actually at, track it and let's track let's check in every year and sure. see if we want to double down or not you know and sure. I, I i think that these are these are conversations we should be having because right. when when these opportunities present themselves it could be a great thing for our children it could be a great thing for our communities right. and but we shouldn't completely turn a blind eye because of fear. That is the weird part is like people get locked into this position that public education needs to be a certain way. Well, if our results are bad, which they are, mm-hmm. public education is not doing well in the United States. Mm-hmm. For some. For, for some. some. Yes. And we're, but I think overall on a global perspective, we're paying more than most countries per student and getting less results. So you have to ask yourself, well, if we're spending this much money and getting bad results, it would indicate that you might want to run some experiments and try some different things to increase the performance. And the way we seem to be locked in this dialogue is you're either like a classist or a racist if you want to try something different. And that, that to me is the, the major problem here. And I, I did experience the blowback personally when I talked about the micro school, which was, you're a racist. And I was like, I, mm. I, I have a mixed race family. Mm-hmm. I mean, my wife is 100% Korean. My kids mm-hmm. are half, mm-hmm. they're mixed race. I know that Asians don't count as a minority, even though they are, and even though they're treated poorly, and uh, people don't like to think of them like that. I, I am in a mixed race family. We have faced racism uh, because of how Asians are treated. Uh, maybe not to the extent brown and black people are, uh, but man, it was just very weird, systematic, like a attack on me for it. And I, I don't care, but I did find it interesting and wanted to be aware of where those people were coming from. The results of smaller class sizes are undeniable, however. Undeniable, correct? yes, undeniable. So when we look at micro schools, it's an obvious way if you get yes. rid of overhead and you have efficiency, which is how we think as founders. Yes. Well, this just makes more sense because 
for the same price, and this is where the math didn't add up to me, seven students, so let's just take a teacher salary of, I don't know, what do you think the average elementary school teacher salary is in the United States? 40, 55. 50K. All right, let's go with 50, round number. Okay. 50K, and we know the average student is spending 50K, 15K. If you had seven students, seven times seven is 49. Put an eighth in there. Heck, let's, let's put it all the way up to 10. 10 students, that's what? Uh, 10 instead of 25 in the average class size. So now you've cut the class size to less than half. And you could pay the teacher more or the teacher could have more resources like an assistant half the time or something. So the, it's undeniable that we could have half the class size or maybe a third of the class size for the same price. Yeah, the math is the math is the math. And, that there's a, and I think there's another big piece here. It's just our, the internet, right? Like the fact that- Oh yeah, you, <laughs> duh. Forgot about that one. <laughs> you know, um, as you mentioned, um, Zoom classes aren't working, but there are still benefits to, um, you know, tutoring where children can get access yes. to. One-on-one so -on -one Zoom does work. I agree. Yeah, so exactly. There's a, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of innovation that's occurred in education over the past 10 years. There's even more investment going into education today. Uh, and, 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 you know, we have the benefit of being able to use a micro school concept, and we also have the benefit of the internet. And yeah. so there, there, there should be uh, uh, ways to do things in a more efficient way that are mm. also better, that we, again, need to be exploring um and and running tests on in my opinion yeah uh w when we look at this there seems to be a room seems to be room for entrepreneurship to emerge here where teachers can become entrepreneurs through yes. your platform on wonder yes. school itself and then i'm curious what the profit would be for somebody who is a teacher who left you know and started a micro school what would their little home business look like at scale you must have some examples of this so i'd love to hear about some people who actually built a business and what that looked like for them as an entrepreneur when we get back on this week in startups with chris bannett of wonderschool.com let's get down to brass tacks everybody linkedin jobs is giving you 50 dollars off your first job posting if you're not familiar with linkedin jobs well it's the best hiring platform in the world. It's that simple. We've had so many great testimonials from within our portfolio of companies from you, the audience, and we love getting audience testimonials. Aaron, uh, who is the founder of M Emma AI, um, was looking for a machine learning engineer back in July, and he received 110 relevant applications. Get ready for this. In only four days, with a modest budget, he got so much value from job posts to offer accepted in only a few days. Think about what a win that would be for you and your team. If you could fill that really sticky, hard to fill position in just four or five days. Well, that's the truth. LinkedIn does it all the time. And they have over 690 million members worldwide. And you're probably allowing people to work from home and remote now. So you can fill jobs like I am in half to a third to a quarter of the amount of time. And you're going to do that best by using LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs is the most effective hiring platform in the world. We all know that hands down. That is the truth. So get 50 bucks right now. 5-0 waiting for you at linkedin.com slash twist. Tell your friends, tweet it, 
Uh, share it with everybody on your team. Get 50 bucks off that first job posting. LinkedIn.com slash twist. Again, LinkedIn.com slash twist to get 50 5 from your boy J-Cal. Uh, terms and conditions, of course, apply because they are giving you 50 bucks. Thanks again, LinkedIn Jobs, for solving problems for me and my portfolio companies and supporting This Week in Startups, which is super important for founders everywhere. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. Thank you to our partners who make it possible for us to employ, I don't know, six or seven people on this podcast full time to make three great interviews a week. If you love this podcast, I ask you to do one thing. Go to iTunes and write a review about how much you love it. And then if you do that and you send us that review, you send us that review. You can just DM it to This Week in Startups on Twitter at TWI, or you can email Nick at launch.co. He's the producer. We will possibly send you. Uh, one of these beautiful Yeti cups as a thank you or a mug. We have this beautiful uh, swag. We, we, we don't do it one for one because we can't buy reviews, but sometimes we see a review and we send somebody something nice. They say something nice about us. We send something to them. So anyway, it's not perfect correlation, but you never know. You might get one. Um, Chris, when, we, when you look at the entrepreneurs, because I look at your what you're doing very similar to what Uber did in creating entrepreneurs yep. or right. Airbnb created entrepreneurs or Etsy created entrepreneurs through an infrastructure in a marketplace that allowed them to do business and find customers. Uh, what does a successful micro school teachers business look like? Do they have 10 students at 10 K each or 20 K each? Do they make twice as much as they did when they were teacher 25% more? Is it the same, but they get more control? What does it look like? So the, scale. we have the most data around childcare. So between okay. the ages of zero and five. Sure. And, uh, you know, what we've seen on the ch from a childcare perspective, because we're all over the country. So our average is, mm -hmm. you know, can, they're, they're all over the place. But roughly you can go from about $30,000 a year to $70,000 a year. Create, oh, wow. Double. Yeah, a little bit more than double. Yeah. Creating. But, you know, we have providers who are making who can make $150,000 a year running mm. a childcare program. I've talked to when we, you know, when we launched our micro school solution, I've started to build relationships with um, existing micro school providers all over the country to learn more about sort of their businesses. And I've talked to folks who are making, you know, $200,000 a year um, running oh, wow. micro schools um, uh, in clearly affluent areas. Um, but, uh, but there's a lot more upside. That you you have you have access to running a uh, a micro school. Um, what I love about what you're doing is you actually have the pricing on the site. So I just did a search on Wonder School for my zip code, and looking around the peninsula of the Bay Area, mm -hmm. you can see different micro schools from mm -hmm. you know a thousand to two thousand a month. I, I'm sure mm -hmm. that depends on how many hours your kids are in, and I'm sure there are you know, eight kids, but they all make a profile, a beautiful profile where you see the program director mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they've been background checked. What days, the ratio one to three providers to children. What a great ratio. Yeah. So you've really dialed this in and answered all the questions people would have. And then you even have a great section, Chris, on the site. When you're looking at these profiles of the rhythm of the day, 7.30 to 8.30 drop-off, breakfast, cleanup, diaper change, circle time, art, snack, outdoor time, dancing time, dramatic play, free time. You get the idea, nap time, pickup time. And then you even have the calendar there and admissions and how to apply and to take a tour. You just basically take all that friction out. 
it really is like looking at an Airbnb. Yes. Um, and it, I'm sure that was part of the inspiration. Yes. That's exactly right. And that's the key as a consumer, right? As a, as a parent, these are things that you expect to see when you're looking for a school. When mm. you're an educator, these are things that are very foreign to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, um, it's very common to find that most schools don't list their price. You have to mm. you have to work so hard to get the price. But this is these are the, these are decisions that we all use when we're making decisions. So we try to surface all the things a parent needs to be able to make a decision, and we try to be as transparent as possible so that the parent can make the best choice for them. Because the other interesting thing about childcare and school, it's sort of like buying a home. You, me, and you know, we took a sample size of 10 of your listeners. We all have different ideas on where we want to live. We have mm -hmm. different ideas on the types of homes we want. We have different ideas around the type of schooling that we would put our children in. There's a lot more variables that go into making that decision than the average decision. I think and this so is, that's a super important point, uh, Chris, because Parents, for some reason, seem to have abdicated their childhood education to the public school system without even thinking or considering other possibilities. And this, this pandemic, I think, one of the silver mm -hmm. linings to it is that you can sit for a second and pause when your kids are home. Yeah. Hey, what do I want my kids' education totally. to look like? What are the possibilities? Totally. Because well, homeschooling, you felt weird, right? Like, felt like a weird thing to homeschool. Yeah. But then you start thinking about, like, well, I am homeschooling. And yeah. What else could this look like? What would it look like if I had a tutor come in twice a week or a, an actual teacher come in half the time or whatever? Yeah, when we started the company, we were like, hey, let's make them all Montessori schools, right? Montessori is the best. And yes. then we started talking to parents and that's, that, that's just my idea of what's the best. Every, every yeah. parent has it a really different is idea. The but it, it really is the best. I'll just be honest because we're in Montessori and I agree. <laughs> exactly. Reggio See, Montessori is. No, but why, why, explain what Montessori is. And did, we do, did you go to a Montessori school when you were a kid? I or? didn't. I didn't go to a why Montessori school. Why are you enamored school. with Montessori? Why did you consider I went that? To, I went to a STEM school. Oh, and, okay. And. Uh, I seem to have turned out all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you're exactly. running a tech company, a marketplace. <laughs> it, worked, it worked out. It worked out. I think out. your parents are pretty happy right now. You're yeah, an entrepreneur. I think it, you're, you're bold and you build the future. I like it. Yeah, I think it. I just. You know, I. But what is it about Montessori? Talk about that for a second, because it does seem once you get on that Montessori train, you really start to appreciate this like child-led led education. Yeah, it's child-led. Um, it's the, again, like the, the focus on the child being able to, you know, follow, down, follow their path, follow their interests. The fact that folks who are Montessori uh, teachers you know, are very well uh, trained um, mm -hmm. and they're, they're esteemed in the craft of Montessori. Um, and it also just has a very strong brand, frankly. Uh, you know, a lot of um, famous people were, were, went to Montessori schools. Yeah. A lot of successful creative individuals have gone to Montessori schools. And so the belief I had was, hey, like this is something that we should make available to everyone. But again, what I've learned is that education both from the teacher standpoint and from the parent standpoint is very, very personal. Mm. And, uh, and providing options is going to be, is, is very, very important. Similar to mm. Airbnb, right? Uh, yeah. And so, and so that, that's what inspired us. I like the ratings and reviews. I see a couple of testimonials here, but how do you make sure the ratings and the reviews are well done? Because I notice you can't click on those. You don't see the details. How do you think yeah. about that? So the ratings and reviews are only from parents that are enrolled. 
So Got you it. can't you can't just go and leave a like you can't go a and drive by, right? Nope, nope. And then mm. um the testimonials we have to be really mindful about because mm. a bad testimonial mm. could ruin someone. But like yes. uh, a a parent could just Do you be, provide and vet these testimonials or do they post them? The the teacher? All the parents um uh vet them all the parents provide them. Oh. We um we actually choose what we share and what we don't share. Ah, okay. And so you take then, a little editorial direction. Exactly. Then, yeah. And then when we see a bad one, we work with the provider on it. Mm. So we'll go and and spend time with the provider, but we still show the score. So yeah. you could leave a one and say, I hate this teacher. Um ah. we'll show the one. We won't show I hate this teacher. And then we'll yeah. go and work with the teacher to be like, why does this parent hate you? And it. if it's actually something that is warranted, we might remove the provider from the platform oh. or we'll work with the provider to turn it, turn so it around. So being on the platform is a privilege, not a right. You have to maintain a certain standard to be on here. That's exactly right. What percentage of people are accepted to the platform? And uh, what is your vetting process? How long does that take? What does it cost you to do, et cetera? So um, what percentage are accepted? So we've actually adjusted our model um, mm. over the, uh, since COVID. Uh -huh. And we've, uh, we found that our reviews are, are so powerful that we, we do less vetting up front. Mm -hmm. And um, we, pro we, we rely on um, licensing. So every program to be on our platform has to be licensed by the, the state. Um, that they're in and to get licensed you have to get background checked someone has to go into your home and inspect your home and uh, uh right that's the licensing so that you can draft off of that exactly so we're, we rely on that and then once you get licensed and you're listed on the platform we start to track your performance with reviews from parents and if we're finding that you're getting bad reviews you know we step in mm. and um how do you make money in all of this so we um we have two models. We take a we either have a a monthly subscription fee that providers pay us, or mm -hmm. we take a percentage of tuition. Um, so we have we have two different models right now. And I'm looking at the most expensive one, and uh, five days a week, eight to five, full time is thirty three hundred. Mm -hmm. Doesn't seem that bad. Mm -hmm. Um, they're it all is pretty affordable. Mm -hmm. Um, and then how do the providers feel about your service and paying you some monthly fee? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm the, I'm the founder of the company. So I'm going to tell you they love it, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just curious, like it's, it's, is it that uh, do people pay through the platform as well? Is that how like, oh, parents pay. So yeah, when the parent enrolls into the program, they pay through the platform. Ah, so yes. just like Airbnb, you pay, do yes. you take a percentage of that or? Yes. Yes. So for some, for some programs, we take a percentage. What and is that? Some, five, 10% or something? 10%. 10%. So to be on the platform, any new customers they get, they pay you 10%, but their That's existing right. customers, they don't have to pay you on. That's right. When they bring students onto the platform, they don't pay us Got anything. It. That's right. So, and the average school is going to be Average school has 10, about- 10,000 a year? Uh, yeah, has about eight to 10 children in the program. Mm. And yeah, about $10,000 a year. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's a no-brainer to acquire one of those students for $1,000 for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Because uh, they run at a 30% margin or something. Mm -hmm. So this is how they basically get new customers in the door. Um, well, I mean, it's amazing. And then you are slowly going into micro schools. And how is that going? So it's going really well. Um, and, uh, you know, we made an announcement that we were um, expanding into micro schools. And yeah, since we've made that announcement, 
you know, we've been getting a lot of interest, um, which has been great. And, uh, and uh, we, we launched it nationally as well. And so oh, okay. that's been really exciting. So we've been getting folks from all over the country who are starting micro schools. Um, another thing we're seeing a big trend of right now is outdoor schools. Um, so folks are starting ah. outdoor programs mm. um, um, to, to deal with COVID. Um, and so that's going really I think well that's, too. yeah. I mean, if you just look at the chances of getting it outdoors and mm. socially distanced and with masks, I mean, it really is much lower according to totally. all the science today. If you're doing this stuff outdoors, in some places you can be outdoors for the entire year or most of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, in the Bay Area, if you have a sweater and a tent yeah. and maybe a heat lamp, you're fine for the entire year. There's probably only a couple of days in the peninsula where it's 50 or 60 degrees. And even then you can wear a sweater and be okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the what you, yeah, yeah go, go for it. No, good. The idea of outdoor schools came from Scandinavia. And so, oh. and so, and you know, they operate with the idea that there's no bad weather, there's just bad clothes. Um, so, I, I, you know, I heard that. that. I thought that was a German expression, not a Scandinavian <laughs> so, one, but so yeah. you can, uh, and so, um, so the Bay Area, you know, you can totally do year round. Uh, but in places like New York, we even have four schools in New York, but they tend to not be open during the coldest um, winter months. Did you say forest schools? Yeah, we call them forest schools, outdoor schools, nature yeah, schools. Yeah, Danish has forest schools. Yeah, they, yeah. And kids in nature, I mean, adults in nature do really well. And why not have the entire school outdoors? Yeah, it's great. Kids. And I think one of the great things with these micro schools is I was talking to a parent who you know, their kid is uh, ADHD or, you know, just high energy, whatever, you know, depending on how you feel about that diagnosis, uh, if it's real or not, or if it's over diagnosed. And they were, I think, uh, you know, faced with this teachers pressuring them to put their kids on ADHD medicine. So they would mm -hmm. sit and mm -hmm. shut up basically and stay focused as opposed to being vibrant young kids who want to run around. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's another opportunity here is you know, as a parent, I, I don't understand why so many people are so quick to drug their kids and put them on this medication totally. to keep them in this factory farming schools. And, you know, they, maybe it would be better to have them have the ability to be out and about. It'd be much totally. better. Yeah. Totally. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. All right. Well, listen, continued success. Everybody check out wonderschool.com and look for a great school. And if you're an educator, you might want to consider starting your own forest outdoor school and have kids freezing outside with tons <laughs> of clothes on, uh, tons of jackets or whatever. No, seriously, I, I think it's a real opportunity for people to start schools and um, really be part of the solution here and try some things out. I really do appreciate the effort you're doing, Chris, to give people more options. and. Um, a lot of these, uh, nursery schools and pre-Ks and everything, they have exemptions as, um, you know, um, to the COVID stuff, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And they're keeping it small and testing's around the corner. I think that's going to be the big breakthrough is when kids can get tested twice a week for five or 10 bucks. Yeah. They're being really mindful around COVID. You know, they're doing a lot of their tours, um, via Zoom. Uh, they're, you know, not allowing parents to um, spend much time inside of the, the, the program. Staggered drop off is the exactly, big one. exactly. Staggered exactly. drop off is the big one, right? So you just, any of sign of sickness, you're not, no, no children are going to the program. So yeah, people are being checks. really thought Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think the thing that's going to be amazing is when you have these rapid testing, which is like we're right on the cusp of having here in the United mm -hmm. States. Like I mm -hmm. know people have the machines. I'm getting one of the machines. Oh, cool. You're going to be able to test for 30 bucks and it will eventually get down to five or 10 bucks in 
10 minutes, 15 minutes. So literally cool. the kids could come to school. They could give the parents a test. They could give the kids a test, have them hang out in their cars or hang out on the street and have a cup of hot chocolate. And then, or they could do it after school and get tested. And then every week, everybody gets tested. And by the way, that will be the road out of the pandemic because once you have everybody getting tested regularly, you know, um, this tracing ability is going to become actually viable. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Do you, do you, you hear about schools doing testing yet? I know that um, outside of colleges, but um, I think it's um, Carbon Health. You uh, know, I think Carbon Health is looking to do some partnerships with schools, uh, but it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like as a country, <laughs> frankly, yeah. we've done a really good job in embracing testing. And even when we do, like, I just got tested recently because I travel. I'm traveled abroad, mm. and it was really difficult to figure out where to get the test. How to get the test? Once I got the test, it was really straightforward. Did they, was is, it a quick test or like next day results? Quick test. I found out in I found it in an hour, um, right? Which was great. So, um, you used to the, you did the nasal swab for the yeah the nasal swab, your nose. which was ter- ter- terrifying. It was like not it did not feel good. Oh but. come on, <laughs> fuck up, fuck up, Chris. It's just like three seconds of but I'm, but I'm glad sneezing. we had the option. I'm glad it's like we a have three the or option. four second sneeze or gag or something. I'm it's glad we had the option. I'm glad we well, have they, the option. They have the swab, the swab in your mouth thing now. So lot, I think for kids, that's going to become like the a little bit easier thing. But I, I do think we're going to get out of this um, in the next six to twelve months. There'll be a vaccine, and/or testing will be so robust for and sure, available for sure. that it's we're going to get through it. And then you know, I think we'll see how many people continue doing micro schools and uh, pop up schools. But man, it, it would be great if we. One of the great ways to also get out of the economic disaster we have right now with unemployment and everything is why not double the number of teachers, mm-hmm. right? If, if we talk about UBI, right, like giving people money to stay at home, maybe we just give teachers a 10% raise, 20% raise and double the number of teachers mm-hmm. and just add whatever, 5, 10 million teacher jobs in the United States. It would be pretty great. And then and we can yeah. afford it. As a country, we can afford it. And we all know the value of education. So the fact that we, yeah, why more. are we not investing in it? Yeah. Well, what, Jason, one thing that I'm seeing that's interesting, so I, I keep up with all the Facebook groups. Um, uh-huh. I'm in all of the parent Facebook groups to just keep up with the yeah. trends that are happening. And there's a trend of parents who are saying that they're going to continue the pods when yes. the pandemic ends. 100%. Uh, when, and it's so a, It's a better model. Yeah. And so there's- Better results. Uh, yeah. And, the, and, the, and those groups are getting pretty popular. And so there is- there's clearly more demand for this, yep. which is really exciting, which is really exciting. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, continued success. And uh, everybody go to micro, I'm sorry, I was going to say micro schools. Everybody go to wonderschools.com and check out the offering. Great job. Continued success. Thanks, Jason. We'll see everybody next time on This Week in Startups. Bye-bye.